0: I'd like to welcome Michelle Blevins to our uh, cast today. Um, I've I've talked with Michelle quite a bit, and I've met her several times at uh, multiple trade shows. It's, It's always fun to have a conversation with her, and I thought it'd be really good to bring her in here tonight to talk about who she is, how she's involved in the industry, and the magazine that she is running. So, Michelle, how about a quick hello?
1: Hello. Thanks so much for having me, Lance. I really appreciate it. And hello to everyone who's watching or listening.
0: Well, thank you. Well, let's get right into it. Um, tell us a little bit about you before you even get into the magazine side, because I, I, that's really fascinating to me, but I want to know more about you.
1: <laughs> okay, so I have been in the restoration industry since 2015. I have a background in Um, TV and print journalism. My first job out of college was at a very local small town newspaper in very rural Indiana. We still did court news and going over to the courthouse to look through the big ledgers and see who got arrested that week and who got divorced and who had the land transfers and all that. Um, that's where I really cut my teeth in relationships and all of that. Um, also where I covered my first flood, there was a very localized flood there and there were homes that, that were flooded that were then raised up quite a bit. Um, so that was my first kind of experience with that. Also first experience around house fires and all those kinds of things. That's where I learned what happened on the emergency scene, but I had no idea what happened once the emergency vehicles left. So, um, then I, were, I, was, I was six years at a TV station in Northern Michigan where I was the executive producer there. And then in 2015, I joined another industry publication. I was the editor-in-chief there for a while. And then I purchased CNR, which is Cleaning and Restoration Magazine, from the Restoration Industry Association in July of 2021. So I have been running it since then. There's a team of five of us that are behind the scenes running CNR, and I absolutely love it every single day. Um, I am also a mom of two, and they are eight and three. My eight year old plays hockey. My three year old is trying to learn to skate, and they are a handful, and it's super fun. And I'm excited to be here and chat more.
0: So, if I said juggling was a lifestyle, I think it's fairly accurate.
1: Big time. We're fortunate that, you know, everybody says it takes a village, and we have a village. We have good friends, and my mother in law is incredible and watches our younger one two days a week. And, um, I have a babysitter here. We're recording on a snow day, our second snow day in a row. So we have an amazing babysitter who shows up on a moment's notice and takes them sledding and does all the great things with them. And so I'm, we have the best possible people around us to make it all work.
0: Very good. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about CNR as a magazine, you know, because we obviously are dealing with the indoor air quality mold assessment, mm-hmm. mold remediation industry, and your title alone is, you know, right there for us.
1: Sure. So CNR has been around since we think somewhere in the 1940s. Um, not it's a little unclear of the exact start date. I've worked with Pete Kinsigli, who's kind of the resident restoration historian through the RIA to try to figure that out. But um, there's been different names throughout the years. I was fortunate enough to come into possession of some of the print magazines going back to, I think 1975 is what I have in archives. So my goal is to get all those digitized and stuff like that in the future. But um, this is um, the oldest publication in the industry, as well as the largest publication in the restoration and cleaning space specifically. and over the years, it has covered everything from IQ and cleaning and mold to fire to biohazard to crime scene to COVID and asbestos and let everything in between. So we try to cover the full gamut of topics when it comes to restoration, remediation, cleaning, all of that.
0: Well, I mean, everything you just named all comes under IAQ, indoor air quality. I mean, every, every bit of it. And that's kind of the umbrella that we start with and then try to funnel down for our specific classes. But, I mean, you've seen and experienced what has changed in the industry since COVID hit. And, you know, I've said this on numerous interviews. It's like everybody woke up and found out that breathing was important. I mean, <laughs> how, do you, how do you see it, you know, in the industry and specifically with the magazine publication?
1: Um, You know, I think the industry has changed in a number of ways. I think customers um, are looking more for the IAQ piece and making sure that when a restoration project is done, that it's not just, it doesn't just physically look good, but that it's actually done healthily. Um, You know, I can think of a contractor in California who's dealt with a lot of the wildfires that have been out there, and they actually are on the forefront of helping with more sustainable building practices to help homes be more fire resistant if there are more wildfires. And I think that that is something that the industry is learning, that we need to be a little bit more proactive in some of these things, make sure you know, I think, I think COVID gave the industry a big lesson on how to actually clean. I mean, the root of the restoration industry is cleaning, right? Like that's, we are cleaners at heart and then everything else kind of revolves around it. Um, So whether it is for COVID and we're disinfecting or it's a fire or it's a flood or whatever it may be, cleaning is that is the crux of what we're doing. And I think COVID kind of knocked us a little bit on, are we cleaning properly or are we just spraying and praying? Are we just wiping and moving stuff around? Are we using the right products? Are we using products that are okay for, um, occupants in a building? Are, is this going to be damaging to children later if we're cleaning a school or a hospital or whatever that may be? I think that it was a good learning curve for the industry to kind of set us back on track of really thinking about what we're using, how sustainable are we being, um, How big is our carbon footprint? Are we using the best products out there? Um, There's a lot more I can go into, but go ahead, because I feel like I will just start rambling.
0: That's okay. (laughs) Now, um, you know, I I just flew back from a a seminar uh, with Dr. Gavin McGregor Skinner, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I know you've talked with him before, and he's really an interesting guy to talk with. But in the in the seminar that we were going through, and, and it's under an OSHA training, he used the term cleaning for health. Yes. You know, it's a whole new direction. It's not cleaning to make it look good. It's cleaning for health. Yeah. And, and one of the examples that we talked about were the airlines, how they have eight minutes to clean this 200 seat plane. And their biggest focus is making sure the safety belts are folded neatly. Yes. You know, so it looks clean. Is not cleaning for health. Yeah. And uh, I, I really think that's where this industry has gone. I don't want to say it's going. It's gone there now, but it's learning how to do what it's trying to do. So yeah. a very interesting uh, spin on where this industry is going because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I think it really brought everything into air quality right up front for everybody to see. And it's on everybody's mind. With that being said, the companies that I've been talking to have gotten extremely busy. Yeah. And one of their big complaints is getting personnel, and trained personnel is even harder. Yeah. Any uh, thoughts on what they could do?
1: So I think that the the number one thing, or the number one way to find new people, is recruiting yourself, you and the whether it's the owner or the technicians or the project managers or the estimators, salespeople, whoever it is. Everybody within the company needs to be considered a recruiter for the company as well. They need to be thinking about like, oh my gosh, I just got amazing customer service from this person at Home Depot. I wonder if they'd be willing to, I wonder if they're interested in a job change or whatever that may be, or a server at a restaurant or wherever you are, be thinking about in day-to-day life the service people that you meet and how good they are. You know, every, anybody can be trained on how to dry a structure or um, remove mold or remove odor or whatever that is. The technical stuff can be trained, but the character and the work ethic and all that can't be trained. So you need to be looking for people in your everyday world that carry those character qualities that then you can train for the skill later. So I know of some restoration companies where they make little business cards that say, hey, You are a rock star at customer service. We would love to talk to you about being part of our team. And then if you flip it over, there's like a name and number for the hiring manager or whoever that may be. And you can just hand those out. I know some companies where that's like almost a requirement, like you have to hand, every person has to hand out like five a week to a star player that they see. And that is going to be so much more effective than throwing out an Indeed ad here or um, career builder or whatever website you're using. That just is a really difficult way now to try to find people. You might find people, but you're just going to be, I mean, I was a recruiter in the industry as well for four years and I totally understand how hard it is. I have been through many a screening with somebody who looked great on paper and they ended up being a train wreck or you get to the final step of the process and they end up having a criminal record that isn't going to be accepted by a carrier or programs if you're doing program work. You know, there's just so much to it. So really your company needs to be recruiting for your company is what it should be. And something that's going to really help you also with that is making sure that your company has a good culture and a culture that's going to attract people. If people start hearing of your company or seeing your company at action within your community, even outside of restoration jobs, that in and of, in and of itself can help speak for your company and draw those ta- that talent toward you.
0: Well, I, I do have to ask a quick question before I get into my follow-up on this. Are, are we using now train wreck as an industry term?
1: Yes. Oh,
0: okay. No, I and I agree with you completely. I've seen it. I've seen people that are hired to do different aspects of this industry that really don't know what they're getting into. They haven't been trained. There's limited training requirements or licensing requirements, depending on what part of the country you're in. And yeah, train wreck is very appropriate for, unfortunately, the end user, because that's we what they just, wind up with.
1: Yes. CNR just did um, a state of the industry study that included feedback and answers from um, high level leadership in 150 restoration and cleaning companies uh-huh. across the US and Canada. We had feedback from all 50 states, all Canadian provinces. So it's a good set of data to talk about industry trends. And the number one thing that we saw that companies are going to be doing in 2023 is focusing on training more than 52% of companies said that they were going to, that training was going to be like their number one focus for future-proofing their business in 2023. And um, I think the thing that is coming with that is, again, we can teach any, like people can go through normie classes, right? And learn how to learn some of these skills that they need. But again, the soft skills, those that character of the person, that's so important. So I, I see more companies also focusing on the soft skills and see like making sure that their people know how to relate to customers especially because the people that we're serving are often having probably the worst day of their lives or top five top three whatever that may be it's not a good day if a restoration or clean maybe a cleaning company is more middle of the road but if a restoration company is there it's probably a bad day um so there's a bigger push to teach those soft skills. And going back to the recruiting and retention aspect, there are more companies that are realizing that if you teach those life skills, you're going to better retain your people. I mean, a lot of the people that you're hiring in at technician level may have never learned money management skills. They may have never learned how to buy a car or get a cell phone or even like the most basic things they might have no idea, how to do that. And so kind of creating a life academy and morphing them, working through those, even if it's like five or 10 minutes a week, just helping with those skill sets can really help. Like I there was a company um that I was talking to last week. They're they're based in Michigan, and the owner was saying that for every employee, they have a what she call it, a PPS, PPF plan, and it's personal, professional, and financial. And they go through those. I can't remember what she said a few times a year. Um, and they do like their, their one year, three or five year and 10 year outlooks, I think for their goals, and they actually work with their team to get, how do you reach those goals? And it's not just career stuff. It's personal and financial as well. And how can we help you get there? And that helps retain people, helps them find a career path as well, and not just guess their way through the company. So the soft side of things is really important.
0: you're absolutely right we actually uh did quite a few classes for a a group called sustainable workforce alliance which is basically teaching basic skills to groups of people it was a a funded by uh i think it was a federal grant down to a state grant and um put quite a few people through that just giving them basic skills you know how to manage their life and be able to work and things like that so i mean that's there and now we're working with uh you know gavin and issa and where We have this big program we're rolling out with OSHA, that, I mean, we'd love to train a million people across the U.S. You know, it's exactly. one of the problems with it is, like you said, you know, people being in the industry and I'm looking at it as you need to train people to a professional level or to at least be an essential level.
1: Yeah,
0: And that's one of the things uh, that wow. Gavin had an issue with where, this whole industry the cleaning industry they're not considered essential employees
1: yeah
0: and if you think about it you know you have these major hospitals where people that are sick are going in but your employees that have to be there to clean it are essential and when there's curfews they can't go yeah you know so um, it's it's Very a whole much. new way of thinking about this industry and elevating it uh, one of the examples uh he mentioned in the class was if you're driving down the road and you see a uh, a traffic detail going on, you'll see a guy standing there with a stop or a slow sign. They have to go through training and be certified to do that. But the people cleaning your operating room, they don't, you know, so it's, you know, it, it's definitely a change. I think there's growing pains right now in the industry since COVID hit, yep. but I think we're going in the right direction. So what do you got as far as, because uh, I know you interview a lot of people also, any of the new technologies or, um, electronic gizmos that are coming out
1: sure sure so there's a lot and i i feel you know a lot more on the iaq side than than i do i mean you introduced me to air answers and some others so There's definitely a lot of technology on the IAQ side that you are far more well versed to talk about than I am. But something like Air Answers, I would say, would be considered restore tech or insure tech. They're both terms that we've heard. Um, Insure tech is something that I would say it's another result of COVID. Right, there was a lot of technology in the industry before, but the COVID pushed us had to made us. You know, push forward. We weren't in customers' homes as much, or we had to be more careful. We needed to be able to get remote readings or whatever yeah. that may be. So, InsureTech talks about like the Bluetooth technology that you can get through like Phoenix, for example, on your dehus or whatever that's going to give you remote um, access to your readings or whatever. You still need to be sending people to the job site. This isn't taking away jobs. It's not that level of AI or anything where people are losing their jobs, but it can help you with your moisture readings and keep up on those things. Other examples would be like Matterport and DocuSketch where you can do 3D scans of entire homes or businesses or whatever that may be. In minutes, and then you have the fine, fine, fine details that you know it used to be that estimators had to sketch it all out and that took forever. And well, I don't know. I don't have a picture of that dresser. I don't know if we put something on it and nicked it. Well, if you do a matterport beforehand, you can you can, you know, if somebody says something's missing or got damaged, zoom in and see was it damaged when we got to the site? Was it not? Um finding specific areas of damage and what needs to be fixed. Um there's also a lot happening that I I won't go into there's a lot happening on the carrier side as well a lot of the technology does have to do with getting paid and kind of expediting that process
0: for contractors that's big down in Florida with the AOBs and all of that which is still still being an issue Um, I think one of the um, the things that we didn't talk about and I don't remember if we talked about it when we were at the last show about the monitoring program that we were coming out with we've launched
1: we did a little bit so talk refresh me
0: Well, it's a monitoring program where it's electronic devices that we put in environments, whether it's residential, commercial, or anything, that gives us 10 different parameters in real time over the internet that we're able to monitor. And what's different about this is it's not the customer that's monitoring it. It's our group of uh, IAQ professionals that we monitor it and we look for anomalies that are taking it out of range that will eventually cause problems. And uh, then we notify the customer, we watch it, we help them analyze it, and then we put them in touch with IAQ professionals that can help them. You know, we're, we're out of it at that point other than directing them to the people that could help. Very positive response uh, from that.
1: How do IAQ professionals get connected with you to be part of that? I, I understand that. It, well, okay, I have multiple questions. First, how is this getting to the end user? Are contractors... Um, promoting this service when they're in homes or maybe doing a mold assessment or whatever, are they they recommending this? And is that the starting point?
0: Bunny, you should ask. Hmm. Yes. Um, there's several different programs, but the way that we are encouraging people to use it, there are portable kits, which are actually called IAQ doctor kits. Okay. You know, whether they're single units or multiple units for monitoring. I mean, this can do hundreds of units at a time but when you walk in with this small kit you set it up and you instantly are now getting readings being forwarded to the cloud where you can get reports when you're done you all can see you can also see it in real time what the goal of that is is once the customer sees how their air quality is being maintained that they are able to um, get the system for themselves and it's sold through the contractors that are on site actually doing the assessment So, you know, they're there, they're demonstrating it, they're using it in their assessment, and they're exposing the end user to it. We have made it where we are only letting the end users get it through trained contractors. We don't want people, you know, saying it's going to do things it won't, making false promises. So we make sure they're all trained and going through it in that way.
1: So how do contractors get the doctor kits?
0: Well, the easiest way is as a uh, Normie member, you have full access to all the training. We do it. The training is free. So becoming a Normie member at join.normie.org gets you into that. You're able to take the training. It's online. And uh, you're then exposed to all of the different technologies that are involved with that program, how it works. And then we walk you through it from there. And then you go out and you're able to sell this program for the uh, Normie Pro Monitoring is what it's called.
1: Who are you finding on the end user side are, are the most interested? Is it like homeowners with kids? Is it office offices? Pretty like- much
0: anybody that sees the uh, doctor kit being used testing their environment. I mean, because they're instantly getting, which most people get now on any of the devices that are out there, temperature relative humidity. But this also has CO2 levels. It has particulate levels at 10, 2.5, and, and 1 microns which is the big thing right now in the industry of what's getting into the blood system, formaldehyde and total VOCs or TVOCs, which are chemicals in the air. So it's a screening device that monitors 10 different things, including dew point. I'm sorry, that's also out there. And it will give us as the IAQ professionals a really good picture as to what's going on in real time and documenting it. And letting the customer know that somebody else is watching for them if they're involved with the monitoring program. We've talked to a lot of people about the different monitors and I've had them. I I know you've talked with Doug. He's had all kinds of monitors for years. And, you know, you get the monitor in the first week, you're looking at it every few hours. Okay, it's good. It's good. It's good. You know. And within the second or third week, when's the last time you checked your monitor? Eh, A few weeks ago. Well, do you know if anything's changed? No. We watch it continuously, and that's the big difference.
1: We have a radon system in our house that we had put in when we moved in because we know that there's radon in our area, and that I think about that every once in a while. That they, you know, when you first put it in, they tell you, okay, here's how, you know, here's the gauge to know when it's going, or you know, you can kind of hear the fan running and all that. And it's like I haven't looked at that thing in a year. I have no idea if it's really running or not. Hopefully,
0: yeah, it, you know, uh, when I do assessments and I talk with people. You know, I explained to them, I'm coming into the house with a new set of eyes, that they're there, they see something every day, they see it so often, they don't see it any longer. Yeah. Did you ever watch the Blues Brothers movie?
1: Yes.
0: Well, there's a there's a scene in there when the two brothers are talking to each other, and they're talking about the Chicago trains going past their room, like 10 feet away. And he goes, uh-huh. how often do those trains go by? He goes, so often you won't even hear them. Yes. And that's, and that's, that's really funny. the same, it's really the same thing. You'll ask somebody, when's the last time you changed your filter? What filter? One for air conditioning. We have one. How long have you lived here? 20 years? They just don't know. And these are true stories. These are the things that yeah. I ask people in the way they've responded. They just don't know because they don't see it on a rare occasion they see it constantly so they don't see it anymore it's like being nose blind in a house that smells really bad after five minutes you don't smell it any longer yeah. same well for the most part same I, kind of situation it depends
1: on how bad it is but a barn yes you can go into a barn and lose the smell i'm thinking about some I, anyway
0: but again it's going with the new set of eyes and watching it uh from a different aspect that's what the monitors do they're in there watching all the time. They're not going to see something over and over and over and say, "Oh, that's normal." We're going to forget about it if it's out of range. It's going to let us know. Yes. So yes. that's the big difference.
1: I, that that is really interesting. I wonder if I'm the type. I'm thinking through if I had that in my house. I think I'd be so worried all the time, which is not the point. I know I tend to be a worry wart over house things. So, but excuse me. Then you get to solve the problems, which would be great, and then I wouldn't worry. So well, and
0: that's the whole thing. It. It, it may come across as worrying up front. People get nervous, like I'm being tested. No, you're not. We're just establishing what the norm is. And yes. then if we've helped you get to a point where you're comfortable and it's improved the health condition of the home, there's nothing to be worried about, just to be aware if something changes and goes out of whack. You know, if you have a big party at your house and you have 20 people there and all of a sudden your CO2 level goes way up, Well, it's not something to be terrified about. It's just, hey, you had a party.
1: Mm -hmm. You had a party. How many members does Normie have now?
0: Well, we've trained probably between nine and 10,000 people. And we have people that come in and out of the industry, in and out of what we call active membership. Uh, It depends on what's going on. A lot of people do it as a part-time job. So, you know, the numbers really fluctuate because of that. But yeah, we've, we've trained, I'd say, in that 8, 10 plus thousand range over the years. I've been with Normie since 2006. And they started in 2004. So, a lot of people. That is a lot of people. I
1: yeah. love
0: it. All so, right, what where do you think the industry is going next? They're, mm-hmm. they're, come on, get your crystal ball out. Let's see where we're we going with this one. More high tech, more manpower, more let's stop in. Analyze what's really going on.
1: More technology, more AI for sure. I know that there are some really cool AI pieces that are going to be rolling out um, in the next year or so that are really going to help with estimating, especially. Um that's more on the you know restoration and reconstruction side of things, but um, you know, I <clears throat> people are never going to be replaced as this AI rolls out, but I think it's gonna help considerably kind of even the playing field, hopefully level things out when they're in some of the more contentious areas of the industry, like TPAs and contractors and estimating platforms and all of that. So um, AI is one of them. Uh, I think that the industry is going to continue to grow. I think at any given time, people usually estimate that there's between 12 and 15,000 restoration companies in the US. I don't know how anybody actually knows that because I think of like, Serve pros or Paul Davis's, or you know, the franchises or mom and pop, you know, two men in a truck type companies that they open and close every day, right? right? So, I don't know how you really can tell that number, but um, but you know, there was this big concern over the last four years of industry consolidation as the mergers and acquisitions um kept. Taking up, up, up. And there was a lull in the second half of 2022. I know that things are going to pick back up in 2023. They kind of have already with more acquisitions, but there was a really big concern that as the industry consolidated um, over the last few years, that there were going to be fewer companies, it was going to be much harder for the smaller independent companies to stay in business because some of the bigger companies would be eating the competition. And then, you know, you have a big player and a little player in one market who's going to survive. Um, but again, going back to the state of the industry, everyone, like it was almost a hundred percent of the companies who had somebody in their market purchased, said that their company either increased their revenue or stayed the same despite their competitor in their market being bought by somebody bigger. So I think that that's something to keep in mind for contractors, hopefully an area to take heart as you maybe see the consolidation continue over the next year or two. Interest rates are going to affect that and some other economic things, of course. But um, I do know that this trend is going to continue a little bit, not, I don't think to the degree it has been, but just know that even if that is happening, that doesn't mean that there isn't space for the smaller independents because there absolutely is. And those are the backbone of the industry. I like to think, um, Katie Smith, who is the president of the restoration industry association board of directors, she calls herself an everyday restorer. And I can I like that. She, um, she and her husband run a company in Lillington, North Carolina. And, um, it's a really successful company. It's very family oriented, all those things. And they have done just fine, no matter what has happened in the industry. And that's kind of a perfect example. I know there are a lot of other companies in the same boat, so don't worry. Um, other trends. Those are probably the two big ones. I don't I don't know that workforce stuff is going to get any easier. Mike Rowe in a recent podcast, it, or I can't remember where I heard it, but it's Mike Rowe said that for every five people leaving the trades right now, there's only two to replace them. So I, you know, it might be a little bit easier to hire people now, just in general. But finding the skilled people in the trades, that's probably not going to get any easier. That, that
0: that is a big issue. Um, so let, we we've got a long way from talking about CNR magazine. That's okay. Well, I'd like to hear a little bit more about it. Could you just give us an idea on some of the topics and things that you you've been covering, or you know, you may tease us about what's coming up.
1: Sure. So, um, so CNR is a full media brand. So it's more than a magazine. Anybody who's listening, it's also all free. So you can go to cnrmagazine.com and sign up to get the print magazine or the digital edition. We have a podcast and social media channels, a YouTube channel, all of those things. So any resources you find there are brand new. Um, I actually have a list. So let me uh, pull this up here. So um, new things. We are launching a new masterclass for the industry. Last year, I did a masterclass on mergers and acquisitions, like we just talked about with um, a pretty well-known broker in the industry. This year, we are doing a masterclass on profitability. I think that that's a big topic that people are talking about, how to run more efficient companies, more lean, those kind of things. So I will be bringing in 24 industry experts throughout 2023 to talk about very specific parts of the profitability puzzle. So I have somebody coming, these are only going to be 10 to 15 minute episodes a piece, super short. So you can listen and kind of move on with your day. But, you know, I have people coming in to talk about like modern HR and what that looks like, um, to talk about how to like scaling your business, company culture, and how that relates, understanding your numbers, um, organizational structure and what that can look like to help with your profitability. Every, all 24 people that are going to be part of this have a slight, have a different angle related to profitability, but they're experts in that area. Like their company has really excelled in that area. Um, so they will be coming in to do that. So be on the lookout for those coming soon. Um, we will be doing the state of the industry again later in the year. We will voting for the Golden Quill Award, which goes to um, the best contributor for of an and r or CNR. Who did you hear that? That's the first time I've ever done that. Um, see in our article in the year that voting opens up pretty soon. We also, which I love, we do an Unsung Heroes Award. So the nominations for that will open this summer. But the idea is to recognize people within restoration and cleaning companies that might not otherwise get a big award or get rac- recognized on a big scale. So kind of those um, those quiet heroes behind the scenes. Right. So unsung heroes, that's anyway. Um, So there's, there's three categories. There's an office or like C, um, I'm sorry, let me back up. So there's like C-suite category, admin category, and field category. So in field is, you know, estimators, project managers, technicians, office covers, sales managers, ops, Marketing, those kind of people, and then C-suite is of course like owners, GMs, CEOs, those type of people. So we award we reward that to three people um, every year. It'll be awarded in the fall. Uh, so I think that that's a really fun thing that we do to try to recognize those unsung heroes that are within every company that might not other otherwise get recognized. And I think that that's important. righty. The-
0: well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something at you now that you okay. may or may not be ready for. Do you have any questions for me that I may or may not answer?
1: That you may or may not answer. Well, I'm curious how many classes does Normie put on in it, like in a week? I guess let's go there because it, it seems like there's always something going on. There are always classes to attend. Let's start there.
0: Well, the easiest way to say that is we have static online courses that are available anytime. We also do on-site courses that we, especially when we're down in our classroom down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, we're able to simulcast over our Zoom platform. We actually have it working like as a a TV studio at this point. So the customer or student experience at home is almost like being in the classroom. Uh, So we're doing that. That's uh, several times a month. We're doing that. We're doing English and Spanish classes also. Uh, we're, we're constantly putting out newer technologies. I know we have the more advanced classes out now, covering some of those technologies, but these uh, are being taught by people like Michael Pinto, Gavin's come in, Doug Hoffman, uh, you know, we have uh, Mo uh, Zuluaga who does a lot of our Spanish classes. Uh, we have Maxine that does our Spanish classes. So we have a bunch of other teachers that have also come in. So we're doing classes now all over. We're looking to expand out to the West coast this year, if possible. And there's going to be some international stuff coming really soon.
1: That's awesome.
0: So There'll be, there'll be more on that. And that's one of the reasons that we've been um, doing so much with our TV channel, Normie.tv, because people are hearing about us and asking questions and because of different time changes and stuff that we're dealing with or time differences, not changes. Uh, people can go to Normie.tv anytime and see interviews, see, um, different trainings that we've done and these aren't video on demand these are continuously going um we will also interrupt that and go with live broadcasts at times in between the other recorded live broadcasting
1: yes okay so
0: to answer your question it's all different yeah you know um during the holidays you back down a little bit because people are just losing their minds and going in different directions yes. but uh, now it's ramping up and we got a lot of classes going again
1: How are you so tech forward? Like this industry is not known for being super tech savvy, but Normie clearly is. I mean, the ability to live stream classes, you have Normie TV, you know, you can get classes online at any time. Like that's honestly something very, very lacking in the industry. So how have you managed to be so tech forward?
0: Well, Doug Hoffman, our our executive director, is, is very open to these types of ideas you know, reaching out to the community and to him, it's all about giving back. And the only way to do that is be able to reach people that need the help. So when we come up with these different platforms and and ways of reaching out, you know, as long as it's something that makes sense to do it, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to try to do it. Uh, My background is very different than what's really in this industry. So uh, I come from an industry where make it work is pretty much the mantra you know so what do we need to do okay we'll make it work and that's kind of how we do that and technology is the way to do it
1: yeah it is I I totally agree I have enjoyed in my infancy of business growth here leveraging technology and doing things differently than I've seen things done in the past and it really does make life and work and all of that better and easier and higher quality for everybody so i'm impressed with everything that normie does
0: well this this is my chance to throw it out to everybody that's watching um this is going to be on normie.tv indoor air a youtube channel which is the normie live youtube channel the twitch network which is live d live which is live we're actually on a uh, south korean platform Afrika, A F R E E C A. Um, which is another broadcasting platform, and uh, LinkedIn Live and Facebook Live. So we push all of our stuff out there across all these different platforms for people to be able to get to it in whichever manner they need to. You know, somebody's not in their office, clicking on a video on demand to watch is difficult, but there's platforms where they can get right on their cell phone, they can listen to it as a podcast. We're just trying to make it easy for everybody.
1: Well, that is impressive. Keep up the good work. And what about this new um, OSHA training? When is that rolling out where you're hoping to get a whole bunch of people through this training?
0: It's rolled out. Uh, right now, we're we're doing a lot with train the trainers. And uh, that's a big thing. We need a lot of trainers yeah. to reach a lot of people, which is going to happen very quickly. So that has started. Who and, are the um,
1: ideal trainers for that? I'm sorry. Career? Who are the ideal trainers? Like, who are you looking for for trainers?
0: Well, people that are obviously in in the industry. I mean, one of the things that we look for at Normie is all of our trainers are still working in the industry.
1: Okay.
0: You know, the the expression, those that can't do teach, well, we want the people that are doing and teaching. You know, so that's, I for me, that would be one of the most important things. Uh, The second one is people that, have an interest of giving back to the community because there's a personal investment in this, not monetarily, but you're investing your time, your energy, and your passion to want to teach people that really have not been exposed to this industry. You know, it's your essential workers at the lowest level that have to be there, have to be trained how to be safe and how to do the job right. Um, so, I mean, those are the biggest things that uh, I think are important. There's other criteria, obviously, you know, you don't want people with criminal backgrounds and stuff like that, you know, going after teaching and you need self starters, people that are motivated to go out and run a class on their own. Sure. So there's a lot of different criteria. Gavin's on top of all that. Uh, he's doing a great job with it. And, um, you're going to see big changes over the next year or so.
1: I love it. Well, congrats on all that you're doing and Normie TV and all that. And it's always a pleasure seeing you at shows and chatting and catching up and all the things.
0: Well, we got a bunch of shows coming up this year. I hope to see you there.
1: I am sure that we will cross paths more than once.
0: Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for all your time and uh, we'll chat some more. This was fun.
1: Thank you very much.